0: Hi there. This is a Ukrainianer podcast in English. We decided to attempt to tell you about our country's greatest hidden gems in English so that you, our dear listeners from all over the world, can learn more about one of the most unknown and underrated countries in Europe. This is our pilot episode. We will continue with new episodes depending on how much you share, rate, and leave comments on this one. There is silence near the Dnipro River. A white-tailed eagle hunts prey. This bird is rare in the Kanyuv Nature Reserve because it's one of those included in the red list of threatened species of Ukraine. It surrounds the victim closely for a long time. Its wingspan is more than two meters and its claws are deadly sharp. The whole body is tense, ready to attack. It swoops down and picks up a duck or a seagull a moment later. This is the only hunting that is allowed in this area. The laws of nature, not the wishes and whims of people, rule here. However, it is because of human whim that this place appeared. The Kanyev Nature Reserve was formed almost a hundred years ago. People wanted to save the world-famous Kanyev geological dislocations, the so-called Kanyev Hills, as a valuable paleontological finding. Deep ravines began to form here, destroying fields and roads. Therefore, the issue arose concerning preventing deforestation on the hillsides and strengthening the soil. Dislocations are earth layers that rise to the surface due to glaciers or a tectonic shift. Chernecha Hill, where Tarashevchenko is buried, is also nearby and was under threat of destruction. Therefore, when this area became protected, life returned here. A person who doesn't know anything about the origin of these ravines may mistake them for a bizarre but beautiful miracle of nature. A walk or expedition to the reserve becomes a challenge whenever people want to explore all the peaks and slopes of the hills. If you look from the side of the water or from above, it seems that someone has crushed the ground. These are the Kanyev Dislocations, well-known places. Here are underground deposits of clay, signs of a distant ancient world. Sedimentary rocks and stones are mixed with ice. The Kanyev Nature Reserve is a massive strand of Kanyev Dislocations. There are two independent islands, flooded hills, and remnants of the Dnipro's floodplains. This nature reserve, with an area of 20 square kilometers, is almost like the city of Kamenets Podilski. Every nook is waiting for those who will carefully examine it and listen to the local nature. Each island entices with its uniqueness and natural beauty. It would be nice to investigate both of them, but first, let's explore Kruhlik Island from the inside. It is one of two floodplain islands washed by the Dnipro River. Huge colonies of gray herons and cormorants live here. Due to their singing, the island can be heard from afar. From summer to autumn, Kruhlik echoes with the bird colony singing. Mornings are fabulous on the island at this time. Gray herons walk along the banks. They have long, thin necks, yellow eyes, delicate gray feathers, with a black outline and of course long legs with white plumage that look like pants that's how you can recognize a heron there are also egrets the black birds with an oblong beak and bright orange cheeks that occupy the treetops are cormorants. vitali and Yevgenia will tell you more about the habits of birds the hreschenko couple are the scientific directors of the reserve they are counting comorants nests and will conduct a short tour of the reserve
1: when we take stock, cross the island and count each tree's nests, I immediately write it down on the tablet. Damn it, you're just walking and they're bombarding you while you keep counting.
0: Kruklik Island is a real jungle. You need to wade through the thicket, carefully jumping from one fallen tree trunk to another so as not to fall into the water. Old trees are left on the ground. That is the only way to get around this part of the flooded island. Light seeps through the branches of the trees leaves rustle under your feet. The birds aren't easy to see, but they can be heard everywhere here. There are magpies, sparrows, and white wagtails here. It's unclear who's watching whom. Either we're watching them, or they're watching us. So, by jumping from one trunk to another, you can move around the island. The main thing is to avoid falling, and at least from time to time, stop to take a breath and look at the bird world right above your head. Almost all the treetops are bare and dotted with cormorant nests. You can see this as soon as you reach the island. The treetops are bare from the birds breaking off twigs to build nests out of them. The lower branches are thicker and the top ones are thinner. The willow is a fairly strong tree. It can withstand many nests with adult cormorants and their babies, which can be from two to five. But there's another reason why the trees on Kruglik Island are bare. Vitaly talks about this.
2: The leaves are completely covered with droppings. Cormorant's droppings are strongly corrosive, meaning that leaves after it simply dry up and die out. That's why only the trees that grow fast manage to survive in such places. For example, willow or ash-leaved maple.
0: We move around to count all the nests, zigzagging the island like an obstacle course because there aren't any paths anywhere. You still have to jump on the trunks of fallen willows and dodge bird droppings. However, this is useless because there are so many birds. But then, it'll be almost the most pleasant part of the trip. This is a moment when you can stand and soak in the river, waiting for the boat in which the adventure will continue.
1: There's a certain aroma that passes over the whole island, kind of in a zigzagging method and then you're standing like that, soaking, and waiting for the boat to come for you.
0: Vitaly and Yevhenia are united by their love for nature and for each other. They've been studying birds for more than 30 years. To do this, they catch them in special nets. They usually put such equipment at watering places. We caught a bird, studied it, and let it go. Once, Annette brought him and her together. Vitaly's childhood hobby has become his profession. The world of birds has interested him since his school days. He claims to be an ornithologist by nature. He says he loves birds so much that he can't have any other job. Yevhenya initially studied microbiology. It just so happens that she came to the Kanyev Nature Reserve for an internship.
2: She had an internship at the Kanyev Nature Reserve the second year, right?
1: I was a second-year student, and I had to take a net.
2: A bird-catching net.
1: That's why I came to ask for it, because I didn't have a net. I came to Vitali, that's how we met. Then research trips She came,
2: trembling like a leaf, and said, could I take that net? Nature brought us together.
1: Two restless characters.
2: Definitely. We're birds of a feather.
0: Yevhenia didn't continue to study microbiology. She decided to become a zoologist. And now, Vitaly jokes that she betrayed the microbes. It seems that from the conversation about love, the cormorants spread their wings more proudly, having perched on the tops of the bare trees. They are drawing their feathers this way. Although, you might think that they are flaunting themselves. Cormorants may seem like completely inconspicuous birds, but they are distinctive in their way. And here's why. Cormorants don't have the oil gland that waterfowl has. If they had one, it would release oil that lubricates the feathers and makes them waterproof. Without it, cormorants need to sit in the sun to dry out and warm up. They nest on the peaks because they arrive earlier than other birds. The lower part of the island, the shrubs, are inhabited by gulls. If a chick or even a nest falls from the treetops, the heron will have something to eat. Living on top means constantly taking care of safety, because there is always a predatory eagle waiting. However, it would have been much more challenging for cormorants to survive in another location. There is little sun there, and it is vital for them.
2: The human is a species that inhabits the earth. There are also other species that have the right to live. A nature reserve is a kind of wildlife conservation. It's a tiny piece, a tiny place, which we keep for other species and preserve other life-forms. It's where
1: nature operates by its laws. And we don't interfere with its life. We only come to visit it, and only on a strictly limited scale. We take only particular paths. Other than that, we don't disturb nature. That's its home, its territory.
0: The islands of Kruchlich and Xelestjów were formed from sandpits. It happened when the Dniproza riverbed wasn't affected by humans. That is, before they started building a number of reservoirs. The islands lie among the floodplains, so that you can only get to them by boat. If you could get a bird's eye view of Xelestjów Island, you could see how it was formed. These are sandpits that now are overgrown with trees and shrubs. The spits intertwined with each other and formed an arc, surrounded by the river's currents. Can you imagine this beauty? It's a large fish breeding reserve. The Zmiini Islands are flooded hills that have now become a unique ecosystem. There are swamps, rivers, and all sorts of vegetation. Such places were flooded for the Kanyev Dam. The last of the six Dnipro Cascades. Less than 10% of the Dnipro's river length is still clean. Everything else is dams that pacify the Dnipro. The cascade system creates kinetic energy in the channel that is converted into electricity due to hydroelectric power plants. After the flooding of the islands, the hydrodynamics of river currents was disrupted. That is, the river no longer lives as nature intended. Limiting the speed, water level, and pressure in a reservoir is a disastrous decision, although it may not be evident for the first few decades. There should be a flood every year on the plain where the fish will spawn. There is no such thing now. The modified river also changes the landscape it blurs dislocations. In addition, now the dam holds back all the sand and silt that should flow. All this simply settles in the reservoir, polluting the river ecosystem. Accumulations of silt, clay, and sediments that prevent the water from moving on all sides and make the bottom dangerous for boating or yachting. It's necessary to go slowly because the bottom of the reservoir isn't uniform. The shoal changes in a way that is both treacherous and dangerous. It is precisely due to the active operation of the Kanyuv hydroelectric power plant that some areas of ice crack in the winter. That's why some holes remain open. Hornbeam forests are such that it seems that their trees support the sky. These forests are worth visiting. Close your eyes and breathe slowly. Just listen to these sounds. Somewhere, a woodpecker is tapping for food. It is immediately interrupted by the flute sound of a black-cap warbler. However, the finch still reigns in the forest. Its singing here fills the space because these birds are the most numerous in the forest. In the modern world, people have forgotten what it's like to listen to the sound of nature. In cities, the roar of cars and factories take the place of the sounds of the forest. Therefore, every opportunity to get out of the noisy bustle becomes especially valuable. Looking for sources of emotional recovery and peace of mind, some people listen to recordings of bird songs and the sounds of leaves, just to feel relaxed for a bit. What's
2: <whistles> the bull?
1: What was that? There was a black-capped warbler over there, and now there's some sort of showdown between the birds.
0: Yevhenya walks around the forest of the reserve with a camera and binoculars, and she also takes a voice recorder with her on which she records bird songs. You can also do this on a regular phone. Yevhenya has a special professional recorder. It can record sounds of the upper bird registers that are almost inaudible to humans, like the little bird singing, for example, a nightingale. It's hard to distinguish it, so not everyone can easily recognize its voice in the forest if they haven't previously heard it in a recording. The trees along the ways are sometimes hollow. It's like living in a high-rise building, but they also hang birdhouses. The holes of the birdhouses are covered with clay by their tenant birds. Nuthatches that are smaller than sparrows settle here, and it's vital for them to do this. The fact is that they cover the hole with clay to make it very tiny. Thus, the nuthatch can quickly get into the birdhouse, but the predator that hunts it can't. Settling on the territories, birds form parcels. One of the meanings of this word is settlement. Bird communities have a clear hierarchy. The leader is the one who performs the most difficult song. A dozen birds of the same species isn't enough to study the varieties of songs sung by the same finches. The sample should be large, with at least 30 individuals singing several songs each. Only then can one study the birds' basic singing techniques. Yevhenya says that nature has its own language, just as people speak to one another.
1: It is mainly the male chaffinches that sing. Their message is, get out of my territory, it is me who lives here. But you, young lady, would you mind joining me? Look how handsome I am. Everything is simple and pragmatic.
0: To win the attention of the female bird, they arrange song duels. They compete by performing the same song, or by trying to surprise the audience with an original melody. If there is a pause between songs at the very beginning of this courtship singing confrontation, then at the end, the birds simply shout over each other and sing until someone falls silent. When representatives of different species argue, they choose songs similar to the opponents, and they shout over each other attracting female attention. But the paradox is that a female bird doesn't choose the male who sings the loudest, but the one with whom it can safely lay eggs. The loudest singer is likely to be eaten first. These are the laws of nature.
1: Human language has dialects, and so does the bird one. Moreover, the logic is very similar. Learning dialects and subdialects is an ideal model for analyzing the human language and its changes. Birds don't inherit their song genetically, they learn it.
2: I would say that
1: the loss of this information is forever if we lose these recordings with birds singing. It is like a lost language that doesn't have a written form. And even when it comes to languages, we can read what is written but we don't know what it sounded like. We don't even know how our ancestors used to speak and pronounce everything. These nuances get lost and lost forever. Birds and animals generally face a much more grave situation since nobody records their language.
0: Even finches have their own bird dialect. There's a possibility that a finch from the Lviv region will sing the same song as a local one, with a small variance in performance. Territorial dialects are very stable, but even the dialects are peculiar. If the bird is small or lives among reeds or shrubs, remaining invisible, its appearance and language will be studied by a number of singing males. It's the same with people. For example, we hear the peculiar Ukrainian dialects and can imagine in which region a person grew up.
1: I've been observing them for 20 years. And what is interesting is that they live in the same area from year to year, and their songs remain the same. We have analyzed various songs, and we have found out that they have remained unchanged since the last glacial period, or about 20,000 years.
0: With the finch, its frequent rival, the wood warbler, also sings. They are joined by blackbirds, song thrushes, tits, and blackcaps and only in early spring can you hear the special ticking of hawfinches. This is a small, colorful bird with a strong beak that can split the shell of hornbeam nuts. Here's the white-tailed eagle again. Apparently, it wants us to remember that due to it, the reserve received the status of an international territory important for the protection of birds. Gullies are stitched with hornbeam oak forests like wavy lines. There are three gullies in the forest, Suche, Malanchen, and Komashene. They are the largest and the deepest, reaching sometimes 30 to 40 meters.
2: There's a lot
1: to see, for example, the impact of deforestation. The terrain and the peculiarities of geological structure contribute to soil erosion. The Caneve region set a nice record for the deepest gullies in Europe. This is also due to the complicated geological structure of the region, steep slopes and soft soil. And you can see how deep they are.
0: A path running down leads to a cliff. The colored layers of clay show that this place is very ancient. The forest gullies change into meadows. The hills change into the cliffs here. Streams of water flow through the gullies, washing out the soil. The Kanyev kind of dislocations are planted with acacias to prevent this from happening in the future. This tree was brought here on purpose and it took root perfectly. Many old trees in the hornbeam forest are deliberately left standing. They are allowed to fall. Some of them are rolled back into the gullies, so they become homes for small inhabitants like larvae, worms, slugs, and beetles. The hornbeam forest also changes with the seasons. In spring, It's covered with flowers. While the trees haven't leafed yet, the branches let in plenty of sunlight. The ground is filled with warmth. Snowdrops and squills grow here. Closer to summer, winter flowers lie like a purple carpet of Corydolus, wild garlic, and pilewort. And when it gets quite warm, anemone bloom everywhere. And in summer, oak forests are covered with scopolia, a poisonous plant with tiny brown or purple flowers. There is also a type of fern that has been preserved since the Ice Age. Many reptiles live in the gullies where there are streams. Here you can see grass snakes, frogs, leeches, and newts. The forest turns into an open clearing called Marina Hill, which has the best panoramic view in the reserve.
1: If I were a falcon, I wouldn't mind flying here.
0: The blue sky over the clearing is slowly being overgrown by pines and birches. The horizon here seems vast and boundless. A soft blanket of green foliage almost blends into the reservoir. There are islands and a dam somewhere. What's behind it? In areas abundant with trees, steppe grass called steepa thrives. Now imagine that there isn't anything here. No birches, no meadows with flowers. In the 1970s, the land was plowed here. There were fields. From Madiana Hill, you can see the Scythian settlement a little further away. The place, where the artifacts of Scythian farmers were found, have been turned into melon fields. As soon as the Scythian settlement was returned to the nature reserve, tree growth resumed. Now there are a lot of birches here.
1: There's no trace of the desert that was here when agricultural activities were being undertaken. It seems that we have taken it to a whole other dimension. A dimension where everything is flourishing, blossoming and lush. It means that if human activity is minimized, the environment begins to recover.
0: Now we'll move to the not-so-distant past, to the second half of the 20th century. During the Second World War, a catalytic battle took place here. And this is the site of the military operation called the Battle for the Dnipro. The battle was part of the liberation of Kiev. The Soviet army was to capture the bridgehead and hold its positions on it and then launch an offensive. One of the most violent clashes took place on this hill where soldiers of the Soviet army fought against the German troops. The Soviet troops were crossing the Dnipro in 1943. According to the plan, the Soviet troops were to move to the historical right bank or western bank of the river. To do this, residents of Pereyaslov built bridges and ferries and prepared raw materials for their construction. To understand the tragedy of the situation, you need to remember what surrounds the Kanyev mountains. There are forests and deep cliffs that even the most powerful tanks won't pass through. Soldiers were left to certain death, which was a conscious decision of their chief commanders. Some of the troops crossed at Dnipro on their own. Soldiers sailed on logs, boats and boards under the shelling. Most of them couldn't even swim. Thousands of young people entered the river and less than half came out. The forest and waters of the Dnipro preserved and at the same time hid these stories. And the singing of birds revived harmony and comfort in these places. In the evening, the sky is purple, the sun is setting, and it's time to go down to the Dnipro here when the water splashes softly on the riverbank, time seems to stop. Under the rhythmic croaking of frogs, it's interesting to watch how the water surface is slowly covered with evening fog. The reserve's history only provokes thoughts about the unrestrained passage of time. Everything changes, disappears, and is reborn again, like trees on bare hillsides, herbs, birds that fly away but come back here for the winter. They know this is a reliable shelter and they are loved here. And suddenly, the idea comes to mind that love and respect for nature are important life values that need to be learned and taught, just as birds teach their chicks their own language.
1: You know, one cannot live without feeling the wind in their hair or without bird songs. And we do not want to lose what we have. This world is fascinating. It gives us freedom.
0: This was the first episode of the Ukrainer podcast. Istan Rozumne, Mariah Alexis Jacobs, and Alexander Kvartalny read for Ukrainer. The recording partner is iZone Media Studio. This special season was created with the support of UNDP. Subscribe to all available platforms to check out the next episodes of the podcast. Leave comments, put likes, and don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.